0: Hello, and welcome to the Elevate Music podcast. I'm Lucy Heyman, and in this episode, we're gonna be looking at some of the challenges faced by disabled musicians, and we'll be hearing about what the industry is doing to support them. Later in this episode, we'll feature Rich Legate from the charity Attitude Is Everything, and he'll be telling us a bit about the research they recently conducted in this area. But first, let's hear from Ruth Patterson, front woman of Holy Moly and the Crackers, about life as a disabled artist.
1: I am the front woman of a band called Holy Moly and the Crackers. I'm also a singer-songwriter. I'm barking on a solo career next year, which is super, super exciting. Could you tell me how your disability affects your work as a musician? I guess for me, it's really normal. So it's sometimes hard to see all the little bits, the ways it affects me. But I've been thinking about it. And first of all, I have rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disorder. It affects my immune system. So my immune system doesn't function properly and it attacks itself. Which means that I'm always a little bit ill. It means that I'm always kind of under the weather. And as a musician, I think... We're all a bit like that, like on tour. Like touring is super intense for anyone, even when you're healthy. So for me, I've always got to think about my immune system, who I'm coming into contact with, what my surroundings are, thinking about hygiene all the time, which is really lame. And it's really not the kind of rock and roll thing that you think about when you think about touring, but. It enables me to keep going and I also have EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which causes all of my joints to dislocate, which means that I have varying ranges of mobility, but I'm on the whole very limited mobility. I'm a wheelchair user. So that also brings into thinking about stairs in venues and venues are notoriously inaccessible. It's a very inaccessible industry. Being carried around is pretty much my day-to-day life on tour. I'm very much used to it
0: now. It's been a long time. Just to clarify there, when you say you're being carried around, can you tell us a little bit about that? So are the the venues you play at really inaccessible? Yeah, a lot
1: of them are. I mean, we're trying to phase that out now, but especially at the beginning when you're starting out, you kind of don't have the luxury to be turning down shows. You're lucky if you get to do it all when you're first starting. And so to turn down shows you just can't do. Even now we're doing bigger shows and bigger venues, some to like 500, 800 capacity venues, like mid-range venues. And even then some of them are surprisingly inaccessible or for the audience, they'll promote themselves as an accessible venue. And so I think, oh, brilliant, we'll book that show in. And then when I get there, we find that it's only accessible for the audience Which means that the audience can get in through the front doors and get to the ground level but then for instance I have to get carried to the backstage area which means that I often have to sleep in the van rather than being able to get backstage and have a nap or relax back there means that I'm often just left out a little bit because if the band isn't able to carry me or I'm not well enough to be carried it just means that I'm stuck <laughs> it means that often there are stairs to get onto stage and no ramps so I have to be carried onto stage get carried on and off my chair which I sit on for the show so yeah it can be tough and you have to have a really thick skin because it's not exactly glamorous, it's, it's not great having to be carried around and, and, and the audience seeing that part of it yeah, we get by, but it's definitely, definitely not perfect and it could be a lot better. So, presumably, your bandmates are really supportive, are they? My bandmates are amazing. Some of them look after me outside of the band as well. So, we're a really, really super tight team. And they understand everything to do with my illnesses, like they come to hospital with me and things like that. Yeah, we're just like a family, really. And <laughs> it's great because. Having these chronic illnesses and having this disability, it gets a bit of used to having to boss people around and you kind of, you're always like, oh, am I being bossy? Am I asking for too much? But then when you realise that if you don't learn to ask for help and you don't learn to ask for the things that you need, you're not going to be able to survive. So you just kind of have to get past that and go, no one thinks you're being bossy. No one thinks you're being rude. Everyone's just there to help because they love you and that's fine. And as soon as you get that into your head, that's when it starts becoming a lot easier, I guess.
0: So you mentioned there at the beginning that you're going to be doing some solo work next year. How will you be able to be supported if you're on your own? I've been very, very lucky over the last 10 years being with my bandmates
1: and my husband is also in the band. So he helps me all the time and he's like my second brain and body. And that's been great. But I want to be a little bit more independent and I want to give this solo project and this solo career a chance And I'm also very lucky that I've been invited to become artist in residence at a place called The Sage. It's in Gateshead and it's one of our main cultural hotspots of the North East, really. It's amazing. And it's been classified as the Gold Award for Attitude is Everything, which means it's pretty much as good as it can be for accessing and inclusivity. So they've kind of given me the confidence with this and this support and this support network and this amazing accessible space for me to go and pursue what I want to do in that area. So really, it's kind of a year for me to improve my confidence working on my own, think about how I'm going to physically do it on my own. But it's a really good starting point because it's not too scary. I'm not just kind of thrust out into the world. I've got this huge sport network and this amazing organisation to kind of back me and give me the advice. So how do you think
0: it would differ if you were a purely solo artist? So you were going out on the road with a guitar on your own?
1: I think Attitude Is Everything is a really good place to start. They've just started the artist side of it and they've been working with audiences disabled audiences for a really long time but uh, the artist one is something that I'm working as an ambassador for with the organization and we're really interested to learn more about disabled and deaf artists and how they're coping so I guess talk to their team they'll have a lot more advice and they've got a lot of experience in this and um but there are lots of organisations as well. I think Help Musicians UK might be a good place to
0: talk to, you or Musicians Union. So you mentioned before about touring. Could you tell me some of the nuts and bolts things that you need support with on tour and how the people around you can help? On a day-to-day level traveling is quite difficult for me
1: because of the dislocations and my joints aren't very stable so getting in and out of the van I have to get carried lifted in and out of the van then the guys have to get my wheelchair in and out of the van and so that can be quite tiring so I guess it's like giving us more time to get to venues so we can have regular stops so I can have a little stretch have a little rest when we get to the venues my bandmates have to be very kind to me I guess because I can't lift any of my own gear out I can't set up my own gear so they have to do everything for me but they're really really accommodating about that and then when we get there it's sort of somebody will jump out the van scope out the venue see how many stairs we've got to contend with and what's the best route for me to get in? Is there somewhere for me to go and have a little nap or have a rest after the travelling? Because that makes me really tired. So I'll usually go and have a little nap. If there is nowhere that's accessible for me to go to, I just kind of nap in the van. And then it's sound check, which the guys have already set everything up for me. Then the guys will set up merch and they'll figure out everything else. And I just usually swan off to the accommodation I have a nap, have some food. And then, yeah, it's working out how to get me back on the stage because sometimes you have to get through the crowd to get back onto the stage. And when the venue's filled up, it's like, how do I get through the crowd? And then we have to go and get the security to get me through. And there's loads of things that every venue's different, every layout's different. There's loads of different things that we have to think about. But we just kind of manage it and it's just about working out Everything that can possibly go wrong with me plus the inaccess of the venue and then kind of planning for every eventuality for later on and then just trying to do the best show that we can do and giving everyone a good time. And my main thing is that people forget that I'm a disabled artist and just see us as a a band just having
0: a good time. It sounds to me like a lot of hard work and a lot of hard work that could be taken away if a venue was to provide you with that information in advance or if you were to be better accommodated physically by a venue. Do you feel that? I've got a really good agent
1: and we've got a brilliant team in place and and they do find a lot of this information out for me in advance. But sometimes it's hard to envisage, oh, there are 20 steps. And then you get there and then they're really, really steep. It's really hard to envisage that before you get there of exactly how difficult that's going to be. And depending on my health that day, it will be easier or more difficult. Venues on the whole are good at giving me the information in advance and being upfront and honest about it. And also apologising. That's something that I've got to mention because the attitude of that venue and the attitude of that promoter, putting the hands up and being like, I'm sorry this isn't good enough and I'm sorry that we're not accessible. That actually means a lot because I'm going into an environment where I know those people are, one, understanding and also that they want to do better in the future and that means a lot to me. Whereas if I go somewhere and they're just kind of, well, you chose to come here as a disabled artist, therefore you deal with it, I really have... big problem with that and that has happened on occasion and it's not a nice feeling because you're coming to work you're coming to do a job and it's not nice to feel like not very welcome the lazy excuses of oh it's a really old building oh we're looking at the funding but it's too expensive but from my point of view it's just not good enough you know there's no other industry where you would be expected to crawl or be carried around to fulfill your job commitments and I think that's that's just really bad. <laughs> and when you think about how large the disabled population is and the disabled community is, we make up a massive percentage of people that go to these gigs. And actually, if the venues looked at it that way and thought, actually, I could make more money if I made my venue more accessible, which is true, it's, it's been proven with the survey with Attitude Is Everything. If you saw it from that point of view, in the Purple Pound point of view and, and that argument, then it is an investment, It disappoints me quite a lot, but I still don't let it stop me because then if I give up and everybody gives up, then
0: there's going to be no one to bang on about it. (laughs) So you mentioned about the disabled community there and the term disabled obviously encompasses a huge range of mental and physical issues. With this in mind, what kind of barriers do you think musicians with disabilities face overall from the industry?
1: I think attitude is the main thing that prevents disabled people from becoming musicians because as I said it's daunting for everybody and it is more difficult when you've got this disability or this health condition that is affecting your life and it can be something that it still feels like a stigma it still feels like something to possibly be ashamed of or people aren't going to understand or they're not going to want to work with you and I think that's a real shame so I think a lot of places and a lot of industry professionals and a lot of industry organisations within the music industry could do a lot more to kind of ask those questions before causing that disabled person to have, you know, a lot of anxiety surrounding bringing it up themselves. You know, if on the advancing sheets, there was a little place at the bottom that said by the way, these are our access points. We have this many stairs or, you know, whatever. Please disclose if you have a disability or anything that we, you think we need to know about and we'll be happy to accommodate to the best of our ability. Something like that. If that was on the sheet, it would make you go, oh, actually, I can bring that up. I can disclose that disability. I can disclose that problem that I have and I'm going to get some help and they're going to be understanding rather than fearing anybody finding out in advance of the concert just in case it gets cancelled or they don't want to work
0: with you because I think that is something that we're all a bit scared of. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I know you've been talking about Attitude Is Everything in the survey they did. I believe one of the findings was that 70% of the respondents said they kept their disability hidden in case it damaged their reputation with venues, promoters and festivals. Have you had any experience with this?
1: It's definitely something that I've felt before especially in the past before we had the team surrounding us and i had a lot of people telling me that you know i should be upfront about it and it's very necessary you know it is something that you kind of go oh if i tell them that i'm a wheelchair user are they going to want me there with the stigma that surrounds it people kind of go oh is she going to be able to do it oh is the show going to be a bit lacking in some way and that is something that it's very 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 difficult to get over and You just have to keep telling yourself that you are worthy of a spot on that stage and your band is just as good as all those other bands and you just have to keep telling yourself that. But it does make me really, really sad that a lot of people are hiding it, but I completely understand why. And which is why I think that it should be the onus of the venue or the promoter to ask the questions. Because if you ask the question, it makes you feel like they're going to understand and they're going to want to help. And that would make a huge difference to a lot
0: of disabled musicians. So going back to the survey that we mentioned, I think 96% of the people interviewed felt the industry could do more to become inclusive for disabled artists. So what kind of changes would you like to see within the music industry?
1: I think I'd like to see better education for staff in venues, better access, obviously more ramps, but it's not just to do with ramps and lifts and wide staircases and grab rails and all those kind of things, I mean, those would be really nice. You know, more accessible toilets and and changing facilities and all that kind of thing. I do think more can be done and better funding for the smaller places that really can't afford those things but desperately need them. To kind of realise that those things are really important for our culture as a nation um, to to allow everybody to access those facilities is is really important and to access venues and live music because it brings everybody together. But it's not just about the access and the stairs and the lifts it is about the attitudes and education on how we treat people with disabilities and learning from the disabled community about how we want to be treated how we want to be respected and just a lot more learning and a lot more listening because as a member of the disabled community I see a lot of able-bodied people on Twitter and things and, like, social media telling us what we should be called now or telling us the terms that we should use for different sectors of the disabled community. And actually, they're not actually listening to what we want as a community, and I think there needs to be a lot more of that, of surveys going out there. There's a really good venue called Band on the Wall in Manchester... And I played there recently and they've got surveys backstage of how well they've done on an inclusivity level. And I think that's brilliant because they're saying, so, you know, just a little bit about you so you can tell them if you have a disability or anything like this and then what they did right, what they did wrong, what they could improve upon um, and all this kind of thing, which is, yeah, it's really, really good. And it's, it's heralded as one of the best venues for access in Manchester, just because they always always striving to get better and I think that doesn't take much just a simple survey for somebody to fill out a few questions a bit of feedback and I think that would actually go a long way because a lot of it for me when I meet people and I tell them why something isn't quite right it's just because they haven't thought about it and they haven't asked the questions or no one's had the confidence to tell them that Actually, that isn't accessible or you might have tried really hard, but that doesn't fit the needs of most wheelchair users. You know, it's, it's things like that. It's, it's not it's not nasty. No one's trying to prevent disabled people from going to things. It's just a lack of awareness, I think.
0: And also, I know we've spoken about the disabled artist and the disabled audience, But there are also the support team and the people working backstage and the management and all these other members of staff. It's very difficult for them to operate in a professional capacity if a venue doesn't allow them accessibility options too.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think I've ever come across a disabled member of crew. I know of one disabled sound engineer. That's a long time tour in the UK and Europe to come across none.
0: (laughs) but one person. What advice would you give to a disabled artist who's trying to start out in the industry? It sounds cheesy, but believe in yourself, because if you're good,
1: you're good. And it shouldn't stop you having a disability. It shouldn't stop you. And also, we need you. (laughs) As a community of disabled artists, we need more disabled people to represent the sector and to represent us in the music industry because the more people we have in the industry and the more people we have visible and spreading awareness and talking about these issues, the more the industry's going to have to wake up and listen and make some changes as they have in other industries and sectors so I'd say just go for it if you believe in yourself believe in your music don't let it stop you and I know that's really really difficult because I struggle with it for years at the start but eventually it'll just start being normal and my aim is for to work hard enough on this and make the improvements that one day it's not a big deal at all when I turn up to a venue in a wheelchair and no one bats an eyelid, that would be really nice. From my experiences, most people are just really interested because it's something that they haven't come across before and they just think it's really cool. (laughs) And I don't think anybody's kind of looking and thinking, oh, she shouldn't be there because she's disabled, you know. it's One of the things that I love is after a show, the times when I've got enough energy to go out and meet people afterwards and sign stuff... It always makes me cry, but when people come up to me and go, oh, my child's disabled or my child has a friend who's disabled and they were struggling with confidence at school and seeing you on stage has really helped them with their confidence and enabled them to believe in themselves and, and stuff like that, like, that's the reason why I'm doing it. That's the reason why it's really, really important to get more disabled people playing and performing and and talking about all of this because... You know, a lot of kids come and ask me to sign stuff and I just don't even think they notice the chair. I don't think I don't think it occurs to them. And that's really cool. They just see somebody that they, you know, they might like to do music in the future. They might aspire to be like that in the future and and they just see someone doing something really great and they don't see the rest of it. That's why it's
0: important. So you mentioned about the Disabled Artist Community. Do you come together as a collective in terms of trying to get your voice heard or anything like that? Mainly online. I
1: just connect with quite a few people in a similar situation. But through Attitude is Everything, we have the Artist Coalition. And so, yeah, sometimes we team up for panel discussions and things like that. So... It's nice to have a chat and just have a bit of a moan (laughs) about things and also kind of encourage one another to keep going. You know, if one of us is in hospital or had to cancel a tour or cancel a release, it's good to know that someone understands how demoralising that is. And uh, and it's easy to pick yourself up when you've got some comrades, (laughs) I guess. But yeah, no, we don't have like a... A Facebook group or anything
0: but yeah we do have a little network. So obviously some of the things that you've been telling us about are incredibly challenging. Despite this can you tell me one thing that you love about your music career?
1: I love the fact that I am traditionally someone in society that people tend to pity or cast judgment on or potentially have some negative stereotypes around or traditionally and I find it incredibly powerful to be on a stage in control leading a band and everybody is there jumping around having an amazing time and I'm kind of as a disabled person leading the party I find it incredibly empowering and and it makes me feel good it makes me feel like I could do anything because people are seeing past the disability and people are seeing past all of the negative things that come with that and they just see somebody that's pursuing a dream and entertaining people and that's why I do it. (laughs) I want people to, you know, finish work on a Friday, maybe they've had a rubbish week and they've fallen out with their friends or whatever and they come to a gig of ours and they just forget about everything else and dance like no one's watching and have a really great time and if I can lead that, Um, then that makes me feel really,
0: really good. (laughs) That's amazing. Ruth, thank you so much. Thank you. This episode of the Elevate Music podcast is supported by Help Musicians, an independent charity that's been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare and creative funding opportunities, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians, or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Thanks to Liza on Twitter, who got in touch to tell us how much she's been enjoying the episodes. Don't forget, you can email us at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com, or you can get in touch on social media at elevatemusicpod on Twitter and Instagram. Now let's hear from Rich Legate from Attitude Is Everything. Could you start by telling me a bit about the work that Attitude Is Everything do?
2: We work the music industry to progress hopefully the uncontroversial idea that live music should be for everyone and that's covering experience as a fan or contribution uh, to that world artistically but also we're starting to look more at like how people can forge a career within uh, the industry. If they have the talent and the drive how can they succeed alongside their peers. Our work's predominantly be focused with venues and festivals. We have a charter of best practice around the UK of festivals signing up, demonstrating brilliant access. But my work with the Next Stage programme is something quite new for Attitude is Everything. And we're looking into the world of artists and the development of artists. What are the barriers facing musicians slowing down their development? And why are they underrepresented on festival lineups, at industry events, on playlists, all these kind of things?
0: So what are some of the barriers that you found in your work?
2: Well, they vary massively. And one of the really interesting kind of consequences of doing research for Attitudes Everything as part of the Next Stage programme was learning about the huge variety of barriers that do exist. I think... The important thing for us is to return to the one that applies to everybody because impairments and long-term health conditions can vary massively on the lived experience and how people communicate or perform or arrange their musical careers. But the s- universal barriers really are those that are around assumptions and understanding and stigma and I think that these are the ones that really why our organisation is named the way it is, is to tackle those things first and... When people are willing to apply and be engaged, then we can really make some differences to all the other areas as well. But I think for a lot of artists, the stigma around disability and perhaps even beyond the world of music, like you could say that there is a uh, purveying stigma still around disability and disabled people, what other people assume about them, which I think the music industry could really lead the way in turning that around.
0: So when you say about your work in changing attitudes, how can you actually do that?
2: Well, we can hear from more and more artists. We conducted research that heard from 96 artists who had access requirements. So what they told us, 96% of those artists said things were only going to change in the music industry if more artists were heard speaking out about their experiences. So how can attitudes change? Well, I think providing a platform for these artists... Within the context that all artists speak within. So, not creating new platforms or in of special platforms or any of this stuff. Actually, within the existing ecosystem of the music industry where artists share their experiences and advocate, like having that available to artists with access requirements as much as everybody else. It's a big thing for me that we work with the music industry as a whole, and there are brilliant organizations elsewhere who work creatively with artists and their development but I'm looking at influencing the industry as a whole and all the existing things that go on you know and processes that all artists go through and making those accessible.
0: So when I spoke to Ruth she was talking about some of the challenges around inaccessibility in venues obviously some of the venues are very old and she was talking about a lack of funding of being able to change things within existing buildings how are things able to change in that area do you think?
2: That really is a difficult area because I work with venues and festivals already from the point of view of fans and how people get into gigs and clubs and festivals. We already work very positively and supportively with grassroots venues, small venues, all the way up to arenas and festivals like Glastonbury. But what we've learned from grassroots venues is there is a finite amount of resource. A lot of the time it's time as well of the staff that work there. And it can be very difficult to create a sort of fully accessible space, but there are ways. And what Ruth was saying, it was very sobering. Really, when you hear about artists having you know to crawl or be carried around their place of work, it should be a very sobering thing to hear that. I think there's a bigger issue, you know. Speaking as someone who plays music themselves, you know, generally about you know musicians mucking in and just getting it done and being incredibly resilient which I think pervades all areas of artists' worlds, regardless if they have access requirements. But when you consider the idea of people you know, having to be carried and have their independence taken from them, this is not going to have a great effect on their art and how they deliver it and how they perform. But the ways that those venues can work in differently, I think, are proactively asking artists and being trained and prepared to take what artists ask them for with regard to access requirements and know how to deliver what they need properly.
0: Because Ruth was speaking about, um, was it Band on the Wall in Manchester and the surveys that they give their artists? Is that something that you'd like to see happen more widely across the live sector?
2: I think that's fantastic. And they're a brilliant venue and incredibly proactive and creative for this. Loads of the work we do actually inspires organisations and platforms and venues to come up with new creative solutions to things that benefit a lot of people and all guided around an ethos, really, which has to come from the heart and soul of that organisation or the venue or whatever it might be. But I'd love to see something like that. That's a creative approach to something... telling the artist that we care about your experience Um, we care about what you need which I think can be rare after a performance I think before you do get asked what your dietary requirements might be obviously you're like tech spec or your stage plan all this information that's a really good example of a venue constantly reflecting on how they're doing things and it's a very welcoming process to ask artists what how is your experience
0: so going back to your research for a second um were there any findings that surprised you
2: I was expecting to see some sobering statistics and read some experiences that would be uncomfortable. One area that we as an organisation became quite interested in, although two thirds of the artists who responded said they identified as disabled, there was a, a third there who said they sometimes identify or don't identify at all. And that may be the result of, you know, this idea of a stigma or because... The perception of disability may be geared more around, for some people, physical impairments, wheelchair use, you know. But there are a group of people there who are telling us they don't always identify. And I think it's perhaps made us reflect a little bit on how we use language going forward and how we engage with people.
0: And what's been the industry's response to the findings?
2: Everybody's been very engaged and accepting, I suppose, that we are not making efforts in the right places to allow all artists to develop equally. And there's a willingness there to learn, I think, first and foremost, because there's a bit of a knowledge gap around disability and musicians and band members and DJs and producers. It's great to have that picture and it. it's more a snapshot than an incredibly detailed piece of research, but it's a snapshot to start this conversation, to start um, some action happening. And the people we're working with so far have been yeah, really engaged and I think the penny kind of has dropped for them, which is really encouraging and I just hope we can move as quickly as possible now.
0: So what are the next steps moving forward from the research?
2: We've created a funding steering group with funders and open call programmes in the UK. So looking at how those processes can become more accessible. So organisations like Help Musicians UK, PRS Foundation, right down to different arts organisations and radio stations like NTS and Gerwood Arts, Drake Music, all part of that group. And we're sort of working with each other and we're hoping to be able to deliver some guidance to all funders and all open call programs to become accessible. We're working on a promoter project which will develop a resource around asking for access requirements. It might be similar to our DIY access guide that we've produced, but we want to create a kind of campaign around that idea of asking for access requirements but also preparing promoters with training and this resource for how to then respond when an artist requests something. We're working with artists themselves. We have a network now of about 60 artists. And the purpose of that is to give collective voice for what the artists want us to be doing and to be expressing. It's very difficult for me to speak on the behalf of people with varied experiences, but there are a lot of areas that all of the artists unite on, really. Like that idea of being given the opportunity to speak publicly and and share their experiences. So that group we've already met once, and we're meeting again at uh, BBC Introducing Live, and then I'm hosting a session at Sound of Belfast in November. Beyond that, we're working with spaces, so studios, rehearsal spaces. We're connected with pirate studios who are in pretty much every city in the UK, and we're working with them on everything from physical access to their... DJ production rooms and their large rehearsal spaces for bands. So that's things like ramps and handrails and signage and lighting configurations. But we're also looking at their online platform and how they manage their booking processes and if artists need to cancel late due to like fluctuating health. Uh, it's brilliant. They've been just so into it from the start and they're uh, using it as I th- creatively. I think it's really interesting for them to open up what they're doing creatively. And then the final area is venues and festivals and that's one really for next year but we're looking at how we can engage with bookers and how we can encourage bookers to seek out you know, diverse talent. Many uh, would love to discover and book more disabled artists but we want to be able to link them with the project and the network but also support them when it comes to performance and advancing and almost move on to that promoter area of asking for access requirements.
0: So with that in mind, if someone was... A disabled music maker and they wanted to take their career to the next level are there any initiatives that you guys have that can help them do that
2: we have the network which i think is brilliant for sharing where you think the barriers are in the industry and using your position as an artist to change things but we aren't best positioned because we are a disability led charity we're not a arts organisation we don't really intervene in the creative process or creative development but there are brilliant organisations elsewhere Drake Music who work you know with music and disability and technology and are really creative and innovative with artists and then you've got organisations like Heart and Soul who work with artists with learning disabilities and give them a platform to perform and have studio time and feature them in their online content. Uh, Same with Carousel down in Brighton as well. So there are platforms there that are engaging with artists to give them those opportunities. But what I'd love to see really is that an artist with an access requirement or access requirements can go to the same support networks, go to the same development programmes as everybody else rather than have to us to create you know a um, kind of supplementary service for them although i think you know like i've just said with those organizations like drake and Soul, they can be hugely beneficial to an artist artistically
0: rich thank you very much
2: thanks very much cheers nice to talk to you
0: if you need any help with any of the issues that have been raised in today's episode you'll find links and signposts to all the appropriate services in the podcast description If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts because it helps other musicians find us. And of course, you can get in touch on social media at Elevate Music Pod on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen in partnership with Help Musicians. Thanks for listening and see you next time.